Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Thou art I, and I am thou. Thou hast established a new bond. Thou shalt be blessed when creating personas of the Arcana. Class is in session, and today, to celebrate the new high-definition point, we are tearing off our masks and revealing our true inner selves as we explore our high school, which, for some reason, randomly turned into a giant dungeon. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university from History and Games video game consultant Megan Sullivan to talk all about Persona 3. How's it going, Megan? It's going great. I'm very excited about this topic. I know. And I have to say, with listening to you perform the 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 bond contract thingamajig, you should be a voice actress like you pulled it off. Very good. You got it. I actually took I took voice acting lessons for about five years. So, well, it paid off. Yeah, <laughs> I, paid I'm, off. I'm glad. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I should I should get back into it. I always meant to do so. And I just ended up not having the time and money, but I still enjoy it. Well, uh, very impressive. But yes, we are here to talk about Persona 3, which is seeing a brand new release, like an updated one. Well, I don't even want to say updated, but a HD port of the Persona 3 portable. But before we get into that, let's look back at the original kind of when the old versions released for this game so the original vanilla version of persona 3 released in japan on july 13th 2006 it eventually made its way to north america on august 14th 2007 and europe on february 29th 2008 and march 6th 2008 for australia its first updated port persona 3 fes released in japan on april 19th 2007 north america on april 22nd 2008 europe october 17th 2008 and australia on november 13th of that year the port that the the, the portable port for sony's psp handheld that the most recent hd port is based off of released on november 1st 2009 july 6th 2010 in North America, Europe got it April 28th, 2011, and we are getting it this, like I said, the HD port releasing on Nintendo Switch, PS4, Windows, Xbox, uh, worldwide, January 19th, 2023. That's like tomorrow yeah. by time of recording. <laughs> this game has seen a lot of releases. Yes, it has. A lot of, lot of releases, but to take our minds back to the era of when the portable version came out. Here's some other games you may have been playing. And Megan, I'm going to be curious if you played any of these, but also released into 2010 was Mass Effect 2, God of War 3, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Fallout New Vegas, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, Transformers War for Cybertron, Nier, 
Final Fantasy XIV Vanilla, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Civilization V, and Xenoblade Chronicles, just to name a few. So a pretty stacked year. Yeah, it was a very good year for video games. It was. So did any of these steal a bunch of your time as well? Oh, absolutely. God of War 3, Mass Effect 2, definitely. Nier. I was a very early evangelist for Nier, the original Nier mm-hmm. with Papa Nier. And uh, yeah, it was a it was extremely stacked year. Xenoblade Chronicles also came out that year. So lots of really excellent games. Excellent, excellent games. But those those are for other episodes. And I've done a number of episodes for many of those. We are here, though, to talk about Persona 3. Now, this basically was a turning point for the Persona franchise in general. A lot of quote unquote, it it defined quote unquote, the modern Persona. So, Megan, what was your history with Persona 3 and really the Persona franchise in general? Well, so Persona 3 was actually my introduction to the Shimigami Tensei franchise altogether. So I worked at IGN back in when I saw this game, I think it was released in the U.S. Was it 2007? I want to say. Uh, yes, the original PS2 was 2007 in August. Yes. And I remember my coworker, Jeff Hayes, shout out to Jeff Hayes, uh, playing that game and me just walking by his desk and like, what is this game? Because I'd never seen anything like it. It was mm-hmm. super stylish and cool, but like super dark. And I'm like, why are these kids pointing a gun at their head and shooting themselves in the head? And then a monster comes out of them. And my friend was like, valid question, yeah, valid question. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're literally doing. And so he was like, I, I know this game looks super dark, but it's really, really cool and stylish. And you should play it because you love RPGs. And I ended up playing it and being like, it was like nothing I'd ever played. Like mm-hmm. the aesthetics, the music, the gameplay mechanics were completely different than any other RPG that I had played. And so that's, that was sort of my entry point into SMT and Persona. Nice. So did you, uh, were you like hooked at that point? Did you follow like each new release? Like when Persona 4, did you go replay the older versions? And which version of Persona 3 have you played? Oh, yeah. No, I it definitely made me a huge fan. So I played Persona, the original Persona 4 on PlayStation 2. Later, I'd play Persona 4 Golden. I went back and played uh, Persona 1 and the the Persona 2, which was split up into two games on the PSP. Um, didn't get too far into those, though. They were already pretty dated. They mm-hmm. needed sort of a, a remake or a remaster at that point. But at least I got to play them. Uh, and then all the way up to Persona 5, I've reviewed some of the like spinoff games like Persona Q. Uh, yeah, I think I've played pretty much all of them. So. Very cool. Yeah, I speaking of the whole evoker to the temple, I, re- I will always remember this. I had rented Persona 3 when it first came out and I was playing sitting playing this in my living room during it was either a combat or it might have been one of the first in like the big encounter when the protagonist unlocks their persona and does the evoker for the first time. But my mom walked through and was shocked and confused by the scene where, like you said, care high schooler puts gun to head, pulls trigger magic happens. And she's saying, what just happened? It's like, it's okay, mom. They're just, that's how they cast magic. Yeah. And Look, yeah, it's that visage, that view, that memory will always stick with me. Um, But yeah, like you nail in the head. This is such 
a dark game. And back then, SMT games and really Persona, they were very much more niche. And I think Persona 3 was the first game that really started moving this series, at least the Persona games, into the limelight. Absolutely. And I'm I'm curious what it was like in at the era in the era at IGN with games like this. I mean, the PS2 was uh, an amazing generation of, of systems and had so many great games. What was it like with such a unique game outside of you, just kind of like around the office? Um, I just I, I think it got a lot of people's attention. It was just so stylish and dark and I think uh, especially for Persona 3, I always thought it was the most atmospheric of the Personas. It's just constantly dark. Mm-hmm. Like even the way the light and shadow play in certain scenes as we watching a few cutscenes last night sort of refresh my memory on the story. And I was like, God, they did such a great job setting the tone and the atmosphere. It's pretty relentless. I mean, you have this dungeon Tartarus and it's just everything about it is dark and there's shadows everywhere, like literally monsters, but also just like dark corners that you have to explore. And there's just constant like oppression and dread going on, even though, you know, you're a high school student and you're doing things like socializing and we'll, we'll talk about social links and, and how they're a huge part of it. Uh, but you have this unusual contrast of literally your your persona, you're pretending to be a normal high school student, but you've got a lot of dark stuff going on. And so I think that caught a lot of people's attention around the office because it wasn't anything like it. I mean, we, we talked about the other games that came out that year, you know, like Mass Effect 2 came out and God of War 3. And this is something completely unique. There was nothing else like it. Yeah, it's... It- it was such a departure and I'm guessing, well, I, I'm curious, were you a big fan of RPGs for for a long time or like, was this one of your early kind of forays into the, into the genre? Oh no, I had been a huge RPG fan since the original Final Fantasy. So that's how far back I go. It's a great game. It's a great game. It's a hard game. Yes. <laughs> the original, the original is a tough, tough game. I had to watch my sister play it. Because I was too little to understand the rules of it. But mm-hmm. Persona, uh, you know, it's just it's totally different from a Final Fantasy in every in every way, shape or form. So. It introduced me to a new type of RPG. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been. By the time this comes out, it, it it's all passed, but I've been playing through and covering for review the updated modern modern port and. Going back and replaying it, I think I almost view this game in a similar vein as I do Super Mario 64. Like, it's a really interesting time capsule and uh, study piece to see where so many mechanics that now is just synonymous with the the series with Persona, like social links, like fighting or the calendar motif. That it all really got its start here. And while a lot of it hasn't aged very well, it's still a very interesting look back. And I'm going to be really curious to see what people coming at it from like a Persona 5, like their when their first game was Persona 5, what they will think of Persona 3. Yeah, it's uh it's going to be interesting because I think it's it's if you weren't there from the ground floor it it might seem tedious or clunky or hard so it might be hard to appreciate like this was very revolutionary like this is where it started 
like Persona 3 walked so that Persona 5 could run. Yeah. And now I'm curious, which of the variations have you played of Persona 3? Uh, So I played the original Persona 3. I can't remember if I played FES or not. I know I owned it, Um, but I played uh, P3P twice, I believe. That's how much I that's still my favorite Persona. Yeah. Um, So I've played a couple of different iterations of the game. I wish playing through Persona 3 Portable and I dabbled. I remember renting the original and maybe FES as well, but most of my time was also spent playing Persona 3 Portable. And what a technical marvel for like I remember even back then being so blown away by the fact that Atlas had managed to take a, a giant console RPG that was Persona 3 and get it on the PSP. Like that blew my freaking mind. Yeah. And it's and nowadays we take it for granted. I mean, with the Switch, you have the Steam Deck. It's it that that gap is quickly shrinking but man back back then the idea of ps2 graphics on a handheld that you could just take with you is like mind-blowing like galaxy brain stuff yeah no psp was just such a um like the playstation portable was such an amazing device like it oh yeah i still have fond memories of all the games that i played on it and i wish i'd kept my playstation portable eventually i gave it away or something and i regret that yeah, it, it was a fantastic system. I think I still have in a box somewhere my launch day PSP that I kept mostly because by that point um, you could hack it to oblivion. And it was my emulator, my go to emulator <laughs> system for a long time. And then I picked up the Peace Walker special edition PSP with like it was a PSP 3000 and had like the green camo, but I still have that laying around. But man, it was such a good system. And the back and forth, I remember the back and forth with PSP is going to crush the DS because it's it's higher resolution. It's 3D. Look at all it can do. And man. Yeah, no, we were very spoiled. We we had an embarrassment of riches when it came to games on the PSP and the DS. And I mean, I, you know, played Chains of Olympus over and over again on my PSP and Space Invaders Extreme. And they just had so many just great games. And uh, Jean d'Arc, I don't know if anyone else played that strategy RPG. Love it. I st- I, I'm looking at my copy right now on my game shelf, actually, uh, on my, oh, my giant so Lazy nice. Susan. Um, yeah, you when are they going to port that? When are they going to port Jean d'Arc, you think? Do a remaster or remake or something? Still waiting. Man, I there's so many good games like that that are just you can't play anymore. And it's a shame. And I think that game would do great on like a switch. Yeah, I, I th- it's a perfect switch game because my switch is my JRPG machine. Mm-hmm. So it would be it'd just be a perfect match. I'm really surprised that Nintendo hasn't looked into that with Square Enix and been like, was it Square Enix that published it? Can't remember. Anymore. I don't think so. Was it level who? Okay, it might have been level five. I feel like it's just the art style and everything seems much more in line with, um, like a level five title. It was, yep, developed by level five. Okay, as soon as I said that, I was like, no, it's not square. It's got to be level five because it it does. It has a very distinct 
art style. Very anime art style to it. Yes, very anime. Um, well, I mean, for the longest time, for the past number of years, level five was like, we're not going to do anything in the West anymore. We're just not going to do much games, period. But then I read a story earlier this week or maybe like Thursday or Friday that they might be reopening or doing more stuff in the West. So you never know. I mean, hell, if Agarest War can get a new like a port, Jean d'Arc can. Absolutely. It's fingers crossed. Um, and in the past year, developers seem to have suddenly magically remembered tactical RPGs exist and can sell. So you never know. Yeah, we 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 let us thank Fire Emblem. Yes, for paving the way, <laughs> which is coming also coming out very soon. Well, that and well, for whatever reason, all of 2022 seemed to just be full of strategy RPGs. You had Dio Field, you had like big ones, small ones, remasters, ports. You had Triangle Strategy, Dio Field, Tactics, Ogre. You had smaller ones. Um, it was almost all of them Square Enix. Like I counted Square Enix came out with like nine or ten RPGs within like three or four months. Yeah, it was insane. I don't know how Square can maintain that momentum. It'll be interesting to see how they approach it this year. I'm hoping we get like a legit ogre battle like remaster to continue on the the ogre hype train. But what was it about what is like really stuck with you with Persona 3? Is it that dark atmosphere Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Art I, and I am thou. Thou hast established a new bond. Thou shalt be blessed when creating personas of the Arcana. Class is in session, and today, to celebrate the new high-definition point, we are tearing off our masks and revealing our true inner selves as we explore our high school, which, for some reason, randomly turned into a giant dungeon. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university, from history and games, video game consultant Megan Sullivan to talk all about Persona 3. How's it going, Megan? It's going great. I'm very excited about this topic. I know. And I have to say, with listening to you perform the 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 bond contract thingamajig, you should be a voice actress like you pulled it off. Very good. You got it. I actually took I took voice acting lessons for about five years. So, well, it paid off. Yeah, <laughs> I, paid I'm, off. I'm glad. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I should I should get back into it. I always meant to do so. And I just ended up not having the time and money, but I still enjoy it. Well, uh, very impressive. But yes, we are here to talk about Persona 3, which is seeing a brand new release, like an updated one. Well, I don't even want to say updated, but a HD port of the Persona 3 portable. 
But before we get into that, let's look back at the original kind of when the old versions released for this game so the original vanilla version of persona 3 released in japan on july 13th 2006 it eventually made its way to north america on august 14th 2007 and europe on february 29th 2008 and march 6th 2008 for australia its first updated port persona 3 fes released in japan on april 19th 2007 north america on april 22nd 2008 europe october 17th 2008 and australia on november 13th of that year the port that the the, the portable port for sony's psp handheld that the most recent hd port is based off of released on november 1st 2009 july 6th 2010 in North America, Europe got it April 28th, 2011, and we are getting it this, like I said, the HD port releasing on Nintendo Switch, PS4, Windows, Xbox, uh, worldwide, January 19th, 2023. That's like tomorrow yeah. by time of recording. <laughs> this game has seen a lot of releases. Yes, it has. A lot of, lot of releases, but to take our minds back to the era of when the portable version came out. Here's some other games you may have been playing. And Megan, I'm going to be curious if you played any of these, but also released into 2010 was Mass Effect 2, God of War 3, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Fallout New Vegas, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, Transformers War for Cybertron, Nier, Final Fantasy 14 Vanilla, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Civilization V, and Xenoblade Chronicles, just to name a few. So a pretty stacked year. Yeah, it was a very good year for video games. It was. So did any of these steal a bunch of your time as well? Oh, absolutely. God of War 3, Mass Effect 2, definitely. Nier, I was a very early evangelist for Nier, the original Nier, mm-hmm. with Papa Nier. And uh, yeah, it was a it was extremely stacked year. Xenoblade Chronicles also came out that year. So lots of really excellent games. Excellent, excellent games. But those those are for other episodes. And I've done a number of episodes for many of those. We are here, though, to talk about Persona 3. Now, this basically was a turning point for the Persona franchise in general. A lot of quote unquote it, it defined quote unquote the modern Persona. So, Megan, what was your history with Persona 3 and really the Persona franchise in general? Well, so Persona 3 was actually my introduction to the Shin Megami Tensei franchise altogether. So I worked at IGN back in when I saw this game, I think it was released in the US. Was it 2007? I want to say. Yes, the original PS2 was 2007 in August. Yes. And I remember my coworker, Jeff Hayes, shout out to Jeff Hayes. Uh, playing that game and me just walking by his desk and like, what is this game? Because I'd never seen anything like it. It was mm-hmm. super stylish and cool, but like super dark. And I'm like, why are these kids pointing a gun at their head and shooting themselves in the head? And then a monster comes out of them. And my friend was like, valid question, yeah, valid question. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're literally doing. And so he was like, I, I know this game looks super dark, but it's really, really cool and stylish and you should play it because you love RPGs. And I ended up playing it and being like, it was like nothing I'd ever played. Like mm-hmm. the aesthetics, the music, the gameplay mechanics were completely different than any other RPG that I had played. And so that's, that was sort of my entry point into SMT and Persona. Nice. So did you, 
were you like hooked at that point? Did you follow like each new release, like when Persona 4? Did you go replay the older versions? And which version of Persona 3 have you played? Oh, yeah. No, I it definitely made me a huge fan. So I played Persona, the original Persona 4 on PlayStation 2. Later, I'd play Persona 4 Golden. I went back and played uh, Persona 1 and the, the Persona 2, which was split up into two games on the PSP. Um, didn't get too far into those, though. They were already pretty dated. They mm-hmm. needed sort of a, a remake or a remaster at that point. But at least I got to play them. Uh, and then all the way up to Persona 5, I've reviewed some of the like spinoff games like Persona Q. Uh, yeah, I think I've played pretty much all of them. So. Very cool. Yeah, I speaking of the whole evoker to the temple, I, re, I will always remember this. I had rented Persona 3 when it first came out and I was playing sitting playing this in my living room during it was either a combat or it might have been one of the first in like the big encounter when the protagonist unlocks their persona and does the evoker for the first time. But my mom walked through and was shocked and confused by the scene where, like you said, care high schooler puts gun to head, pulls trigger magic happens. And she's saying, what just happened? It's like, it's okay, mom. They're just, that's how they cast magic. Yeah. And Look, yeah, it's that visage, that view, that memory will always stick with me. Um, But yeah, like you nail in the head. This is such a dark game. And back then, SMT games and really Persona, they were very much more niche. And I think Persona 3 was the first game that really started moving this series, at least the Persona games, into the limelight. Absolutely. And I'm I'm curious what it was like in at the era in the era at IGN with games like this. I mean, the PS2 was a, an amazing generation of, of systems and had so many great games. What was it like with such a unique game outside of you, just kind of like around the office? Um, I just I, I think it got a lot of people's attention. It was just so stylish and dark and I think, uh, especially for Persona 3, I always thought it was the most atmospheric of the Personas. It's just constantly dark. Mm-hmm. Like, even the way the light and shadow play in certain scenes, I was rewatching a few cutscenes last night, sort of refresh my memory on the story. And I was like, God, they did such a great job setting the tone and the atmosphere. It's pretty relentless. I mean, you have this dungeon, Tartarus, and it's just everything about it is dark and there's shadows everywhere, like literally monsters, but also just like dark corners that you have to explore. And there's just constant like oppression and dread going on, even though, you know, you're a high school student and you're doing things like socializing. And we'll, we'll talk about social links and, and how they're a huge part of it. Uh, but you have this unusual contrast of literally your your persona. You're pretending to be a normal high school student, but you've got a lot of dark stuff going on. And so I think that caught a lot of people's attention around the office because there wasn't anything like it. I mean, we, we talked about the other games that came out that year, you know, like Mass Effect 2 came out and God of War 3. And this is something completely unique. There was nothing else like it. Yeah, it's it. It was such a departure and I'm guessing, well, I, I'm curious, were you a big fan of RPGs for for a long time or like was this one of your early kind of forays into the into the genre? 
Oh, no, I had been a huge RPG fan since the original Final Fantasy. So that's how far back I go. It's a great game. It's a great game. It's a hard game. Yes. <laughs> the original the original is a tough, tough game. I had to watch my sister play it because I was too little to understand the rules of it. But mm-hmm. Persona, uh, you know, it's just it's totally different from a Final Fantasy in every in every way, shape or form. So. It introduced me to a new type of RPG. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been by the time this comes out, it, it it's all passed. But I've been playing through and covering for review the updated modern modern port and going back and replaying it. I think I almost view this game in a similar vein as I do Super Mario 64. Like it's a really interesting time capsule and a study piece to see where so many mechanics that now is just synonymous with the the series with persona like social links like fighting or the calendar motif that it all really got its start here and while a lot of it hasn't aged very well it's still a very interesting look back and I'm going to be really curious to see what people coming at it from like a persona five, like their when their first game was persona five, what they will think of persona three. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting because I think it's, it's, if you weren't there from the ground floor, it, it might seem tedious or clunky or hard. So it might be hard to appreciate. Like this was very revolutionary. Like this is where it started. Like Persona 3 walked so that Persona 5 could run. Yeah. And now I'm curious, which of the variations have you played of Persona 3? Uh, So I played the original Persona 3. I can't remember if I played FES or not. I know I owned it, Um, but I played uh, P3P twice, I believe. That's how much I that's still my favorite Persona. Yeah. Um, So I've played a couple of different iterations of the game. I wish playing through Persona 3 Portable and I dabbled. I remember renting the original and maybe FES as well. But most of my time was also spent playing Persona 3 Portable. And what a technical marvel. For, like I remember even back then being so blown away by the fact that Atlas had managed to take a, a giant console RPG that was Persona 3 and get it on the PSP like that blew my freaking mind yeah and it's and nowadays we take it for granted i mean with the switch you have the steam deck it's it that that gap is quickly shrinking but man back back then the idea of ps2 graphics on a handheld that you could just take with you is like mind-blowing like galaxy brain stuff yeah no psp was just such a um, like the playstation portable was such an amazing device like it oh yeah i still have fond memories of all the games that i played on it and i wish i'd kept my playstation portable eventually i gave it away or something and i regret that yeah it, it was a fantastic system i think i still have in a box somewhere my launch day psp that i kept mostly because by that point um you could hack it to oblivion and it was my emulator my go-to emulator (laughs) system for a long time and then i picked up the peace walker special edition psp with like it was a psp 3000 and had like the green camo 
but I still have that laying around. But man, it was such a good system. And the back and forth, I remember the back and forth with PSP is going to crush the DS because it's it's higher resolution. It's 3D. Look at all it can do. And man. Yeah. No, we were very spoiled. We we had an embarrassment of riches when it came to games on the PSP and the DS. And I mean, I, you know, played Chains of Olympus over and over again on my PSP and Space Invaders Extreme. And they just had so many just great games. And uh, Jean d'Arc, I don't know if anyone else played that strategy RPG. Love it. I st- I, I'm looking at my copy right now on my game shelf, actually, uh, on my oh, my giant so Lazy nice. Susan. Um. Yeah, you when are they going to port that? When are they going to port Jean d'Arc, you think? Do a remaster or remake or something? Still waiting. Man, I... There's so many good games like that that are just... You can't play anymore. And it's a shame. And I think that game would do great on, like, a Switch. Yeah, I, I th- it's a perfect Switch game. Because my Switch is my JRPG machine. Mm-hmm. So it would be it'd just be a perfect match. I'm really surprised that Nintendo hasn't looked into that with Square Enix and been like, was it Square Enix that published it? Can't remember. Anymore. I don't think so. What, was it level who? Okay, now it might have been up. level five. I feel like it's yeah, just I, the I, I, art like style and everything five. seems much more in line with um like a level yeah, five sure. title. It was yeah, yep I've, developed by level five. Okay, as soon as I said that, I was like, no, it's not square. It's got to be level five because it, it does. It has a very distinct art style. Very anime art style to it. Yes, very anime. Um, well, I mean, for the longest time, for the past number of years, level five was like, we're not going to do anything in the West anymore. We're just not going to do much games, period. But then I read a story earlier this week or maybe like Thursday or Friday that they might be reopening or doing more stuff in the West. So you never know. I mean, hell, if Agarest War can get a new like a port Jean d'Arc can absolutely it's fingers crossed um and in the past year developers seem to have suddenly magically remembered tactical rpgs exist and can sell so you never know yeah we 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 let us thank fire emblem yes for paving the way (laughs) which is coming also coming out very soon well, that and well, for whatever reason, all of 2022 seemed to just be full of strategy RPGs. You had Dio Field, you had like big ones, small ones, remasters, ports. You had Triangle Strategy, Dio Field, Tactics, Ogre. You had smaller ones. Um, it was almost all of them Square Enix. Like I counted Square Enix came out with like nine or ten RPGs within like three or four months. Yeah, it was insane. I don't know how Square can maintain that momentum it'll be interesting to see how they approach it this year i'm hoping we get like a legit ogre battle like remaster to continue on the the ogre hype train but what was it about what is like really stuck with you with persona 3 is it that dark atmosphere or was is there other aspects that really set it apart I think it was the social links, like the the gameplay loop of you do social links so that you open up abilities and skills and whatnot in battle and you strengthen your ties to certain arcanas and whatnot. But it was it was the stories. Um, they were kind of gripping. They were they were dark and they were interesting and they were more adult. They were more mature, which mm-hmm. I, I wasn't used to seeing 
in a lot of, of JRPGs, especially when you're dealing with high schoolers, you think it's going to be silly, fun stuff. And it sometimes can be, but then you have just this very humanizing aspect of, you know, people are wrestling with their shadows or their darker self. And that really caught my attention. Um, and then you have these, these big decisions to make, you know, these, you know, end of the world type decisions, um, where there's not necessarily guaranteed a happy ending. It's, it's, there's something a little haunting about mm-hmm. persona games. And I think that's what stuck with me. It was just the relationships what you bond over, which is basically trauma. Whole lot of trauma. A lot of trauma. A lot and a lot of trauma. Who was your go-to party or were there any, you, well, let's start with the social links. You, you mentioned those. Was there a particular storyline or social link that, you enjoyed particularly a lot um let's see i'm trying to i thought uh mitsuro's was was pretty good um i thought um yoji's was probably the most fascinating because it, it, it ties so much into the actual game and the, the whole narrative arc um but uh I mean, each of the characters had something going for them that I thought was interesting uh, because it, it did it. It tied back into the main story in some way. And mm-hmm. so these these weren't like empty side missions like they, you know, their trauma and the things that they're struggling with. They it sort of feeds back into the gameplay and it feeds back into the main story. So it was interesting to explore all the different stories and see how they they come together and how they resolve themselves. If you max out a social link. Yeah. It, I like, I really appreciated a lot of the, um, kind of the NPC side ones, uh, a lot that expanded. I felt they expanded the world outside of just your, your main party members, which I really appreciated. Like the, um, I can't remember his name, but with the, the Kendo team or, uh, your best friend that you go get food with and, and things like that. I like the aspects that expanded the world. Um, yeah. No, I like the uh, I like the student council president. He's kind of a snippy jerk, but then you learn why. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree that there's, uh, you know, you do these these sort of NPC ones, but they're equally important because they're, they're still tied to the gameplay. But you you want to talk to them. You want to hear more about their story. So it's it's a very sort of compelling uh, gameplay loop. Yeah. It's in and in, in speaking of the gameplay loop, it is a such a grind heavy RPG and which I appreciate. Are you a fan of grinding in RPGs? I'm, I'm curious. Um, honestly, no. Um, unless, unless it truly makes sense. Like, so I, I reviewed Shin Megami Tensei five last year for Nintendo Power Magazine, and it was uh, the, the grind there made sense because mm-hmm. it's part of the strategy. Uh, it's you know you're you're constantly up against these huge uh spikes in difficulty and you absolutely have to be on your toes and be fully focused on fusing together demons and so you have to grind in order to get them there like it it actually kind of makes sense in the main series but otherwise it 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 does get to a point where it gets it gets a little tedious so it's (laughs) i think that is just sort of the one negative thing about older rpgs like this is there's a lot of grinding but it's like all right let's just let's just get on with it replaying this i was so it annoyed me and i had forgotten that 
this was before you could select what skills personas inherit when you fuse. And it it drove me nutty. <laughs> I, I don't want to go back to these days. Yeah, um, it definitely there have been some quality of life improvements since then where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is. <laughs> yeah, because when you can do more fusing things and, and, you know, choosing the different abilities and skills you have, like that's part of the depth of strategy that you can apply. And then it becomes rewarding in a sense. But if you you don't have that and you're just you're just constantly grinding, you're like, oh, my gosh, I just I want to get to the top of Tartarus already. Yeah. Oh, just just let me just rush there and be done with this aspect. And that's what I always did between like after each full moon or after you beat a boss and the, the gate unlocks and you can progress. I would just spend like a single day just grinding up to as far as I could. Yeah, that's exactly what I did, too. I was like, I just want to get to the social stuff. I just want to do the, the activities. I, I don't really want to grind anymore. <laughs> so that's, I, I did the same thing. And you're, you're not supposed to do that. Like, I, I think you get tired or you get sick if you if you do too much all at once. But I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I feel like I want to get yeah, back it, to the social stuff. You just rest a day or take it easy. You don't do your homework a day and then you're better. I feel like it, there was never really any penalty. And I honestly don't know anyone that like are big on RPGs that took Tartarus like slow and steady. Like it's okay. We've unlocked these next levels. Let's bum rush through to the next, to the next gate or the next seal that you can't pass. I don't know. Exactly. If, I don't know of anyone that, that took their time. Uh, what was your kind of go-to party? Like what were your, your main heavy hitters? Uh, I, so other than the female protagonist, um, I had Junpei in my party a lot, Akihiko in my party a lot, and Mitsuru in my party a lot. I mean, but, you know, it, not always because, of course, each Persona user has different skills and abilities that you're going to need in very specific fights. So mm -hmm. you have to constantly swap them out and, you know, make sure that your party is also getting experience. And there are like later on, there's like abilities that allow you to do that. Like they can gain more experience even when they're inactive. But for the most part, you're supposed to rotate them out. But I, I found myself gravitating towards my my favorites. Um, I just I just remember Junpei and Akihiko and Mitsuru being in my party a lot. Solid. I mean, they're solid. You got and some heavy hitter. That's another thing. This game has such a. And as someone who's studied and did voice acting lessons, what a stellar cast this game has. Like oh, rock stars. Tara, Tara Platt is fantastic as me too she's she's in everything that i love and, and you have liam o'brien as akahiko it's yep yeah it's just some rock stars and some that have kind of taken fallen a dive from grace. fallen from grace quite <laughs> considerably and severely but still super super strong and yeah uh, what was what's the name of i guess is voice actress i can't remember but yeah they they what i appreciate about atlas is they always bring quality voice acting to persona games and I, I truly truly appreciate that karen strassman it looks like is the i guess voice actor all right yeah i, I, I recognize in her persona voice from 3 other stuff as well. fes i don't know if she changed in portable but at least in the uh i guess in the persona 3 fes dub was karen strassman yeah i also think um Oh, dag nabbit. I, I follow all these voice actors on Twitter. I'm trying to think of the, the voice actor for Yoji is also very, very famous. I think he's married to uh, 
Yuri Lowenthal? Yuri... Yuri Yuri Lowenthal is also in the game. He does the voice of Ryoji, and I think he actually does... Is it Yusuke in Persona 4? Yes. Yes. He does a... Yeah, he does a bunch of stuff. But the the, the point of my my long rant is that they're all, you know, really just... They go out of their way uh, at Atlas to get talented voice actors. Uh, uh, Yuri Lowenthal will always be Luke and Ash from Tales of the Abyss for me. Like that's <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Another game with a fantastic that. cast, by the way. Um, yeah, it, voice acting makes a huge difference in oh, a video 100%. game. It can actually absolutely make or break a video game. Hundred percent. Now, are you planning to to pick this this game up and and revisit it? Oh yeah, it's it's definitely on my to-do list. It's it's a little crowded this year in terms of RPGs, so it's going to have to wait until after things like, yeah. you know, Fire Emblem Engage and mm-hmm. 6.3 patch for Final Fantasy 14 and there's just a, like a billion other RPGs that are coming out, but I will make time for it because it is my favorite Persona game. P3P is my favorite Persona game and mm-hmm. I miss the world and characters a lot. Yeah. In my in my replaying it, I I've come to realize that this is probably the most difficult. This was, in my opinion, the most difficult game of the Persona series to remaster in this way. Like it does. It needs a full remake. It needs a ground up remake. There are so many things that in today's world really aren't that great. Like back then, and it wasn't that great. But like nowadays... I, I feel it's a it's a lot rougher, like the whole gun to the head for teenagers, uh, I think, is not as anywhere. It was rough back then, that imagery. But I think it's the culture of today is much more um, sensitive to, to imagery like that, just with all the unfortunately so many other school shootings and you have. Like with the female protagonist, you had the romantic interest of the preteen Ken. You can you can do. There's just there's some aspects yeah, there's, there's to some this stuff that, that could be fixed. Yeah, um, and there's some there's definitely quality of life stuff in general that could be updated. I thought I I thought I heard a rumor that maybe Persona Three was going to yeah. get a remake. I'm not really sure. I really want that. I would rather them move on to Persona Six. Uh, it has been a while. I think they've milked Persona Five for everything they have. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. We can move on from that cast. I like Joker, and uh, I like Anne and Virgin, and and, and and especially Ey. He's my he's my hot gun daddy. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think it's time to move on from that cast and and see what's ahead. But of course, uh, they're just talking about uh, was it kind of funny games daily. Just uh, the the cycle of video game development is getting longer and longer and longer. So you know, it might still be a while before we see Persona Six, but still hoping. Oh yeah, the, I feel like at this point they have to working on it like there's no doubt that they're working on it but sure. i'm going to be curious to see if we get persona 6 first or if we get their project re fantasy first yeah that'll be interesting um i wish there was also a definitive edition of persona 3 that had the, the epilogue stuff from persona 3 fes and then the added content and the female protagonist from portable all in a single package. Maybe that's what we're getting. I I hope so. I I <laughs> hope eventually like it was it was interesting playing portable again 
with like nothing was done to this game. Like it would things were up resed. The ba- the static backgrounds it looks like were probably like AI upscale because some of them are blurry, but like the models weren't upgraded, so they were super blocky. And I I ex- it's impressive. It was impressive back in the day coming like playing on a handheld, but when you're playing on a big TV on a like a PS5, yeah, it has high frame rates. But man, I wish I wish a bit more care had been taken with this new port. But also, it's 20 bucks, so it's like, I uh, can kind of forgive it. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're not charging $60, $70, yeah. I mean, that would that would be, uh, that would not be fair. But if it's, you know, 20 bucks and it's more or less a port with a few, you know, sprucing up of, of graphics and whatnot, I mean, it's okay. It's not ideal. Right. But we'll take it. It's Persona 3, and I'm just excited to play it again. Oh, definitely. And shout out to Game Pass. What great gets for game pass with persona 3 and persona 5 or persona 3 and 4 both releasing on game pass day and day um yeah very exciting i am very excited i just got an xbox series s for christmas and i purely for game pass so i'm like yay (laughs) well you have plenty of rpgs to play i mean with three four and five now are all on game pass plus like Lost Odyssey, you have classics. Lost Odyssey, you have Blue Dragon, you have all sorts of games that you can enjoy. Um, good get, good get. Yeah, is do you have a first game you first RPG you plan to play through on it? Um, I think what is the game called? I everyone on Twitter was like, you got to play this. Is it Chain Chain Echoes? Chain Echoes. I downloaded that last week. But I, I have to keep my calendar clear for all things Fire Emblem. So that's gonna eat a lot of my time. So I'm, I'm True story. playing. I'm trying out smaller games first. Like I tried out Hollow Knight. I tried out uh, Forza Horizon. I tried. Um, I just uh, what was the other game that I tried? I can't remember off the top of my head. But I, I tried a bunch of little like smaller sort of mm-hmm. either indie games or like big games like Forza. You just have to play on Xbox to see how gorgeous it is. So I'm. Sort of getting all of those things out of the way. Uh, Tinykins, that was the other one that was recommended to me. I've heard good things about that one. I can't picture it, but I've heard good things about it. It's very, very cute. Excellent. Excellent. So is there a part? We we touched on this a little bit earlier that this game is basically trauma, the video game. Um, (laughs) Is there a particular moment that really sticks out or when you hear Persona, a moment or story beat that defines this game for you i think it was interesting that i got halfway through the game and it turns out it's not over and you weren't making things better you were making things infinitely worse and you're just like wait what (laughs) and so it, it, it keeps getting darker and then at the end i think the end even more sticks out it's like you have to make a really tough decision and it's bittersweet no matter what you do and I hadn't come across, you know, like usually if you, you play a game, it's like usually the ending is pretty upbeat and happy. But Persona was like, you have some uncomfortable choices to make. Enjoy. <laughs> and I was kind of blown away by that. Like I hadn't played a lot of games that had that kind of ending or that kind of choice. Mm-hmm. Like a bad ending in Persona is a bad ending. Yeah. It. For me, it was everything involving and kind of revolving around Shinji and Ken. Like that, that stuff's heavy. Um, 
like when you found out find out kind of the the tie between the two of them and how that all culminates it's oh yeah it, it's a it's a bit of a gut punch oh 100 percent um So you had mentioned that you've played through and done a, 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 bun- a bunch of other games like the spinoff games like Persona Q. What was what's kind of been your thought and feelings on the Persona 3 representation in those games? Do you think they did the, the characters justice? I love Persona Q, by the way. I think they're fantastic dungeon crawlers and I would 100 percent be fine with more Q action. Yeah, I, I thought that it was it there was good continuity there and consistency with the characters and they they reacted kind of how I would expect them to react to, to each other. It's been a while since I played Persona Q. I just I remember I really, really liked it. I think it gave it like an eight point something out of 10 on IGN scale. Um, it, but it was it was really cute seeing the Persona 4 and Persona 3 characters interacting with each other mm-hmm. and just sort of having a good time and um meet each other for the first time and, and sort of sizing each other up. I thought it was, I thought it was very cute. It, it there was nothing that was jarring about their meeting. It, it like in a weird way, it all made sense because you know, persona. Because persona, hundred yeah, percent. Persona. <laughs> it just makes sense. Just write it off as it's just because persona. Yeah. Because persona It's perfect. One of the things that's just, you know, because Persona is is I guess I love how you go through and it's like teenagers and magic powers. And then all of a sudden battle Android. It yeah. was just a, I, I think I guess might actually be my favorite character. I can't believe I didn't mention her before because I was like scrambling. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. who did I put in my party a lot? And then I was like, you know, what? I guess was kind of a pillar in my party and also her dedication to the main protagonist is super important oh yeah and the the epilogue in fes is 100 percent based on on i guess you yeah it's, it's all her feelings for yeah. the for she's the, the protagonist MC. yeah she is the protagonist one of the things i remember and then this is another one of those aspects that i'm glad we've kind of moved away from is how in the original game you couldn't control your party members directly. Oh, that's right. You remember that? That didn't come in until like Persona 4 or Persona 4 Golden. And then they retroactively in Portable gave you the option you could set it to control directly. But yeah, it was just assigning commands and letting the AI AI take the wheel. Yeah, that's right. I'd I'd forgotten that because I'm so used to being able to have more direct control over my characters and uh, deciding what they were going to, you know, zap mm-hmm. enemies with, but that's true. It was it was AI controlled, and you just hope the AI was smart enough to know what it was doing. That sweet, sweet PlayStation Two era RPG AI goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it was, man. It was. It is such an interesting case study. Just seeing how much the series diverged after this point. Like compared having played through also Persona 1 and the two duology, those are vastly different games. And then you have Persona 3 and it changes the entire course of the franchise. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely a milestone. It was and, and I feel like it's rare that you will get a game in a in a franchise 
that you can so clearly delineate games before X point and games after. I feel like I don't know if you yeah. feel the same. I'm a, it, I don't know. Maybe it's just a persona thing. No, I, I feel like there are certain games that sort of everything is built off of them, right? So Persona mm-hmm. Three and its social links, and and other gameplay mechanics in which you know, like like some of these gameplay mechanics, of course, were from the original Shin Megami Tensei. You know, like social links are just basically demon negotiations kind of scrambled, and that kind of thing. But there's just something about the way Persona Three did things that everyone else was able to build off of it. So, like slight tangent, but like. Final Fantasy IV is my favorite game of all time. And I think it's hard to appreciate now just how much it changed video games and how the active time battle system changed how battles were done for years in Final Fantasy. Like it was it was such an interesting concept of, of yeah. having, you know, different speed in battle. And, you know, I remember playing that game and, a, you know, a flan attacked me out of order while I'm trying to decide what I want my mage to do and i was like hey you can't do that <laughs> it was it was so revolutionary it blew my mind and so there are certain things about persona 3 that we take for granted were always part of persona or shin Megami tensei but this game was the first to do it and of course the biggest thing was social links and i think mm-hmm. that's what people gravitated towards because now you have a gameplay compa- uh, mechanic that is compelling and makes you want to come back for more yeah one thing i i hadn't recalled was just with this game, I miss actually fighting demons. Um, because the shadows just don't have the same personality as like the actual demons do. No, they they're they're not they're not quite as uh spicy and fun to to deal with when you do negotiations in a Shimagami Tensei game. You just like you never know what's gonna go right or wrong. You're just here's some money, here's some health. Oh, I'm not I'm still not good enough for you. Okay, well, great. <laughs> go away yeah you know it's, it's always a bit of unpredictability and are you strong enough for these demons and um you know you you need these demons you need them to fight on your side you need to fuse them together you know you need to register them in your compendium and they're being fussy uh whereas in persona i mean everyone sort of has her except for the fool arcana which is always your main protagonist you have you know your set personas which yeah. is which is part of a particular you know emperor arcana or lovers arcana or what have you but even just from like a design aspect it's i never get as excited about getting into combat and this game is so grindy seeing the same little like slime monsters like you don't see the demons well like when you get into combat like you can with persona 5 or really persona 1 or persona 2 and i think it i think three and four loses something because because of that but that might just be me and enjoying all the variety of the plethora of demons yeah i mean they're they're still they're still there in terms of like your personas don't match up with like shin megami tensei you you put certain you know personas together and they'll create similar you know you put a b and c together and you get loki or you get a b and c and you get alice um, you get these really cool personas like they're, they're still there. But yeah, the, the presentation is is definitely different. It just makes the general for me, it just makes the general random or not random encounters. But because you can see the enemies, it just makes the the fighting enemies. I like fighting the demons as opposed to fighting shadows, per se. But right. 
I'm curious. We you touched on Persona Six and wanting to see what that. Would you want a? What would you be interested in seeing if they did like a Persona Three s- sequel? Um. Or do you like the completely dis like ninety percent completely disconnected? Um, I think I'm trying to think what like you know what could they do different or what could they do that's you know more interesting. Always always willing to see new personas we haven't seen before with new skills and abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it would be great if they could somehow cut down on the grind or or have other incentives. I mean, part of the incentive is you find rare you know, shadows and you get rare, you collect rare personas and then you fuse them to get other rare personas. But it would, you know, it would be nice just to have a few more uh, personas that are something new, uh, maybe with new skills and abilities that can be used in a certain way. Um, and uh, just, I, I think, I think like for Persona 5, and this is going to be a little controversial, I didn't really enjoy the they weren't called social links, right? They're called something like confidence. Yeah. Um, but I didn't enjoy the stories as much. I, I thought it, it was weird that they pulled their punches a little bit. I mean, they they introduced these interesting concepts and then it their actual social links didn't feel that interesting. It was, you know, about being on the track team or about being a model. And I was like, no, no, you you had you mentioned before things about, you know, sexual harassment or, mm-hmm. you know, UG being raised by a single mom. They introduced really interesting things and then they didn't really go forth with all of these things. It, it felt like the NPCs like EY had like to me the most interesting story about being part of the Yakuza and then trying to get out and not being able to totally get out. Like mm-hmm. that whole thing was interesting. And I would like to see in Persona 6 like, sort of return to you know, the, those darker themes, and if you're going to introduce them, I mean, really resolve them more than just like, well, we, we beat the bad guy. It's fine. No, you're, you're still traumatized, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, that'd be great. Also, it'd be great to have more romance options. I feel like in Persona 2, you could date a guy and nobody cared. Yeah. And then in Persona 3, 4 and 5, it, you know, like Kanji in Persona 4 is basically a punchline. His, yeah. his, his sexuality is amb- ambiguous because the developer was like well which is funnier him being gay and everyone thinking or being like oh no he's gay or him not being gay and everyone mistaking him for it I'm like eh, no yeah like, why can't i date kanji <laughs> so it'd be great to see persona 6 uh be a little more uh open and mature about that mm-hmm. i'm curious do you think trauma is intrinsic to a persona story well, I think it uh, maybe not trauma per se, but I mean, you are dealing with the whole psychological aspect of, you know, your persona, your ego, your shadow, mm-hmm. uh, all of that stuff. And so you're you're wrestling with the darker side of you. And and often that's, you know, I'm not a psychologist, yeah. so I'm sort of talking on my hat here, but like that, that's tied often to some sort of trauma uh, that you try to suppress. And so like in Persona 3, uh, you know, you, you're character kind of has to sort of find out what their trauma is. You know, they, they're, they're in a car accident and all this stuff happened and they're an orphan. Uh, and then, you know, persona five with, uh, you know, the, the main character is accused of a crime. He didn't do uh, persona four. They're like the Scooby-Doo mystery team trying to solve, you know, a bunch of murders in town. And like, there, there's some dark aspect because there has to be, and they're, they're struggling mm-hmm. with that, with that trauma. So Yusuke is, is dealing with the trauma of, 
you know, somebody he really likes died, but she didn't feel the same way about him. And he's emotionally trying to process all of that. Like each character has some sort of past that they have to, that they have to come to terms with. And that's how their persona awakens. And I I think that is powerful that that's the whole thing is that it has that sort of darker aspect. That's what makes persona and Shimigami Tensei stand out from say Final Fantasy or Mm -hmm. Dragon Quest or Fire Emblem or anything like that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's always a good dichotomy against like those games you mentioned, like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Like, There's a lot of not good things like by not good things. I mean, um, serious not they're good games and everything but um just very heavy subjects um that those other games really don't touch on which i think is interesting and provides some of the uh and i think is part of why personas is, is becoming so much more recognized not only the production values and i think the quality has has continued to go up in many areas but I think it, it it's because these games give people something new and a bit more to think about. And with the the modern and the modern setting lets people kind of, I don't know, maybe see themselves in a character more than they could if you were, you know, Cecil from 14 with and Kane or, or things like that. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I think there's a, I think that's what's compelling about it is you can sort of see that aspect of yourself and, and, you know, coming to terms with these things could be cathartic for some people. Mm-hmm. So you said you played through primarily as the female protagonist, right? Like that's yes. your, your go-to. Who is your canon romance then? Um, so it was probably Ryoji. Again, it makes sense in the story, like mm-hmm. having the perspective be from the female point of view in this in this regard kind of like makes certain things click really well. And um, I think uh, originally it's going to be Akihiko, but he's like kind of hard to date. Like you get to a certain point where he seems like he's really into you. And if you don't choose the right answer for a couple of things and your social link gets to like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. He just wants to be friends and I, I could never <laughs> figure out what I was doing wrong. And then um, so it was it's it's basically Yoji is my canon. And if if not him, because he he kind of comes in sort of late. So it's it's a tight timeline you have to sort of max out his social link. Yeah, it's uh, I'm trying to remember. It's going to drive me crazy. The name of the. Uh, the class. Uh, president. Uh, what was was it? Hidetoshi? I think it was Hidetoshi. Yeah, Hidetoshi. We'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. he was he was he was the one who's kind of a he's kind of a jerk, you know, because he's on the disciplinary committee at the mm-hmm. high school. And uh, but his his art kind of surprised me. And uh, if you play in the P3P game, he's clearly got a crush at one point on on the female main character, which I thought was kind of cute, <laughs> but it's mostly DOG for story purposes. I'm trying carefully not to spoil because <laughs> it's such a huge part of the game and I want people to experience that. So I, I'm curious, are you saying Ryoji is easy? <laughs> is he easy? Is he yeah, easy? He's actually, he, he, he's, uh, let's just say he's very flirty with you. 
uh, if you're playing the female protagonist, like he, he comes on pretty thick. So I don't know if he's, <laughs> he's, he, I don't know if he's easy in the sense to, to max out a social link, but he is very happy to see the female MC every chance he gets. He <laughs> calls her his princess and he calls her, her my dearest. And it's, uh, man, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fan of the white knight. I get, I get it. Which I guess. Oh, oh but but is he? There's oh, a there's no, also, there's, a, there's a little twist there. I'm just saying, have I'm to play the, the uh, play the yeah, game to find I'll out. Play it. <laughs> <laughs> very very good. Uh, but we are not the only ones that really enjoy Persona Three and have fond memories of it. So as always, we are going to go around the web and see what memories you have that you shared with us. User Citizen Strife from Reddit. They say. I remember on the 4th of July in real life. I was running up Tartarus. I stopped to watch the fireworks going on outside, so I left the game running. Fuka uttered the magic words, Careful! I sense death! And I had to race back to the other room and run up the stairs as fast as I could. As for in-game moments, I th- the things that struck me were all the darker, heavier moments in the characters uh, dying. This was a game unafraid about taking risks with its characters and showing growth because of those. Other cool stuff were the Elizabeth dates, the special recordings in the dorm, and the ability to have the main character choose their own weapon type. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on in this. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of stuff. Um, and yeah, the, the careful I sense death is, was always a... Uh, ten, ten, we're always tense moments from... Yeah, that was the... Uh, oh gosh, I, uh, I better either <laughs> get out of here or pay close attention I, because uh, mm-hmm. that's... That's that, a bad sign. So that yeah, eerie that chain sound whenever they're whenever uh, death's on yeah. still yeah, freaks was, me that out. Was, that was part of that atmosphere about Persona Three. Oh, yeah. That's why I love that game. It's just so atmospheric. It's sort of like like Demon Souls for me. Mm-hmm. Out of all the Soulsborne games, is the most atmospheric. There's something about the the sound design and the visuals that really come together. And in Persona Three, it's that same thing. The way that the shadows and mm-hmm. light play off of each other. That just as eerie chain sounds. You're just like, oh my god, that is terrifying. Oh, and there's been so many times I'll have my party split up, which was, I thought, a really cool aspect, how you could have your party split up and find treasure or fight enemies on their own and whatnot. But when death comes and 